We are in Doctrine and Covenants, <clears throat> section 133, and we're going to do verses 1 through 50 today. And the question that I had in mind as we go through this is, how have they obeyed? And the reason that question came to mind is this was given actually 12 years ago. And um, I, I don't know why we have it here, but it's given right at the very beginning with the preface of the DNC um, section one. And so 12 years have passed and we're reading this and all of those things that we've read that the pioneers have gone through and Joseph Smith has gone through in these early saints um, have already taken place. <laughs> so this is given way before all of that. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, this is kind of fun to read thinking, how have they done on what the Lord asked? And so I think that's a good way to start this. And so verse one is hearken and verse two and three is I am coming, that God is coming um, to see them. And I love in verse four, he says, sanctify yourselves, gather together and sanctify is to be made holy. And wouldn't you say they have done that? Gather together, sanctify yourselves. I would say absolutely through everything they have gone through, they are making themselves a very holy people. And then in five and many times in these verses, he talks about leaving Babylon, getting away from Babylon. And I thought immediately of Abraham and how the Lord commands him to take Lot and to go and he says, well, if we can find 50, and the Lord says, yeah, if you can find 50, I'll leave it. And then he says, if we can find 40, and then 30, and then 25, and eventually the Lord's like, grab, grab Lot and get out. And of course, Lot's wife turns and looks. And that is just symbolic of that her heart is still in Babylon. She doesn't want to embrace the Lord. She doesn't want to leave. And so as he's talking about leave Babylon, which he will say a lot here, and be clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. That means those of us who hold the priesthood, be clean, sanctify ourselves. Absolutely, I feel that these people have left homes and family and land and so much to create Zion, this place, these people not just this place, this people that are pure in heart and one with God and each other. And then it says in six, call your solemn assemblies and speak often one to another. And a solemn assembly, we had one of those when we sustained President Nelson, if you remembered, in conference, we did that. And it's called um, a solemn assembly as an elevated spiritual experience. And I think they've had many of those as they have prepared to build temples and gone from uh, the school of the prophets and built these different places. Okay, and then in eight, send forth elders of my church to the nations which are afar off to the islands of the sea, foreign lands, first on the Gentiles and then the Jews. And they have done an incredible job of that in the midst of um, poverty and being persecuted and driven from land to land. Missionary work has been a huge thing for them, and they have kept that in force, especially their apostles going. And then it talks about the bridegroom cometh, prepare, um, again, watch, and then again, it's those um, flee, for you know not the time, flee to Zion which is those be one with them. And then again in 15, um, 
this this thought of Sodom and Gomorrah, but verily thus saith the Lord, let not your flight be in haste, but let all be prepared and look not back, lest sudden destruction come upon you. And so it's that reference again of leaving Babylon and fully being committed to the Lord. Okay, 18, when the lamb shall stand on Mount Zion with him, 144,000 having his father's name written on their forehead. And the one thing I wanted to say, um, I studied a couple years ago um, the numbers that are written in the scriptures, um, hearing that a lot of it is symbolic. And we have a lot of numbers repeated, like 40, like 12, like 3. And so this 144 is 12 squared. And what they said is that means lots of priesthood. It's not literally 144. And I really liked that, that it's 12 squared, which represents a lot of priesthood. And then the thing I love about written on your forehead is that means your thoughts, that the Lord is in your thoughts. And that is, again, being sanctified, that he is everything to us. And he will know it by the thoughts and intents of our hearts. So I love that. We are sealed his by our thoughts. It's obvious. Okay, um, heard among all, and then uh, this I love, 21, that's where it says, and he shall utter his voice out of Zion, he shall speak from Jerusalem, and his voice shall be heard among all people. And the thought that came is, I remember my son saying at one point to me, Mom, you don't have to say a word. We all know where you stand. And so the reason I love that is because we have that scripture that says, and the Lord was not in the fire, and the Lord was not in the earthquake, and the Lord was not in the wind. He, and then came the still small voice, and the Lord was in the still small voice. So I love this because as he talks about the thunders and the breaking downs of the mountains and the many waters. The reason I love that is, yes, we know the power of God, and none of us can deny it as covid brought the world to its knees in a second. Um, but what I love is that his voice is a still small voice. And so it will be heard everywhere because no one will be able to doubt it is God's power that is orchestrating these things. And I really believe that with COVID. Okay, 23 Pangea, that everything will be brought back to one land. Um, 25, and the Lord, even the Savior, shall reign in their midst. Those things have not happened, but do you feel that they've done everything to prepare for that? Because we know that will be in the millennium. Absolutely. As you look at everything they did, I you have to read these. Go, they get an A+. Plus. 12 years has passed. They have done those things. And now it's talking about that second coming. It's talking about us. And it talks about... And they shall bring forth, in verse 30, their rich treasures unto the children of Ephraim, my servants. And I have written there in my note the scriptures. And it made me think of President Nelson as he talked about meeting that prince of the country. And he gives the prince the copy of the Book of Mormon. And the prince says, you could have given me diamond and rubies, but nothing would have been more precious to me than the further light of the Savior. And I love that because that is what the rich treasure is. And then as you go down, um, it talks about they will be crowned with glory. And that is from the temple. If you think about how we are endowed and in initiatories, that's what it's talking about. Um, being crowned for eternal life. 
richer blessings, being sanctified with him, all who dwell with him. And then again, missionary work in 37. And all of this they have done in these 12 years. They have done a phenomenal job. And we need to remember that God does not look at things the way we look at. He is refining us to become a Zion people, a people who learns how to repent when we fall, a people who learns how to rely on him to enable us to become all that he needs us to become. So it isn't that we don't fail. It isn't that these early saints didn't have moments of failure and moments of humanness. It's that they continue to try and to prevail through persecution and through trial after trial after trial. They put one foot in front of the other and continued to move forward and became a Zion people. And so that's the lesson to us is we're now in these verses talking about the second coming. And so go to verse 45. For since the beginning of the world have not men heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath any eye seen, O God, beside thee, how great things thou hast prepared for him that waiteth for thee. And I just have written right there, what is your favorite prophecy that will happen in the second coming? Is there one that you love? I would ask your kids and One of the things I loved in 46 through 48 is it talks about that his his apparel will be red, like him that treadeth the wine vat, and it's to represent his atonement that he did that for us in 46. Who is this that coming down from God in heaven with dyed garments? The reason I love that is once when I was in (coughs) singing time in primary, I was talking to the kids and talked showed this picture of the Savior, that famous picture we all have of him in white with his arms outstretched. And this little boy, who was probably six or seven, raised his hand and said, except that picture's wrong, Sister Perkins. (coughs) And I said, what? He said, that picture's wrong. He will be wearing red. And I was so touched that this little boy so knew the prophecies of the second coming. And of course, he will be wearing red. Okay, and then I love in 49, and this is what we will end with because this is my favorite scripture. If I had to pick one that is my favorite, this is it. And so great shall be the glory of his presence. The sun shall hide his face in shame, and the moon shall withhold its light, and the stars shall be hurled from their places. And I don't know why, but I love that scripture. I love that the sun and the moon and the stars know who the Savior is, and know that their light is nothing compared to his, and that he is who we should all be honoring and kneeling before. He is the King of kings, and I love that even the sun, the moon, and the stars will know that and will refuse to shine so we all acknowledge whose light it is that we should worship and follow. So that is my very favorite verse. I hope you know um, that the church is true. And I hope you know more than that how much our Savior loves you.